Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. ¡Hey, Carlos! Bienvenido a Side One. ¿Recibiste mi orden? Claro, te van a cargar la troca. Un cafecito, una donita... ¿Y la figura? Pues que se quede redonda. Side One no solo es el distribuidor más grande del país de productos de landscaping, irrigación y luces. También somos un amigo en King Contar. Valoramos a nuestros clientes latinos porque son una fuerza mayor de esta industria a través de esfuerzo y sudor. Por eso cuando estás en Side One, estás entre amigos. Side One, juntos más fuertes. Ready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode one zero one of the No Encore Music Podcast. I'm joined by my two best friends, Craig Fitzpatrick. Hello, Colin Regan. What's up, brother? And my third best friend, David Higgins. Thanks. Good to be back, guys. Yay! Yay. All right, give it Weird up. Weird ranking system there, David. I don't know. Third best friend. <laughs> third best friend. I feel honored. <laughs> the bronze medal of No Encore. David Higgins returns to the show. Uh, we mentioned him on the show last weekend as part of our hundredth episode spectacular. A lot of nice people reaching out saying nice things. By the way, yes, on yeah. the yeah. Thanks, guys. social media and that kind of stuff, and in the street, like you know, like just random people coming up to me and saying, "Well done." Gifts yeah. have been sent. There have been no gifts. Good job. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like we'll maybe do another few episodes, shall we? Yeah, let's have it. At least three more, yeah. Have a go at another century. Right. So, last week, after the show, we went to the Olympia Theatre, the four of us and a few others, to bid farewell to Wild Beasts, who we did the excellent Craig Listening Guide oh, thank you. last oh. week. What did we think of this gig, this lengthy marathon three-act gig? It's emotional. It was emotional. It was fitting. It was kind of everything you'd want it to be, I think. And the length was perfect. It was great having no kind of support acts, just getting straight in. They were very prompt and like on time as well. Yeah. They they were there to take care of business, and they did. And how? I was at the bar as the, <laughs> as the fun powder plot started, and yeah. I was like, "Oh come on, I want to get back for it." So you I didn't got, leave the bar, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Stay there for two and a half hours. Yeah. No, I got back just in time as it was ending, and we were in the pit. It was very good. There was lots of commotion on stage and off. David Higgins, what did you think? 
Because you saw it from up and down. Yeah, I thought it was great. I, I spent the, the first half kind of upstairs and then got down in the pit with you after you charmed a uh, security guy in the Olympia <laughs> with your newly inked arm. I sweet-talked a member of the security team in the Olympia. Using your tattoos. So yeah, he, I was there tattoo. because I had, I had the cling film on my arm because yeah. I just got it done that day. And this uh, nice older fellow noticed and came over to me and like pointed at it and was like, where'd you get that done? So we had the, the chat and he rolled up his sleeves to reveal lots of tattoos of his own. Imagine had been the exact same tattoo. And he told me that he'd been getting tattoos for 30 years and told me that I didn't need the cling film, take it off. But I kept it on for the rest of the night because yeah. I figured that the tattoo professional was the one to listen to. But this man was very nice and I saw my opportunity because I knew Mr. Dave Higgins was trying to get into the pit and you have to have a special wristband to do so. Myself and Dahi O'Droni snapped up the only two that were available, leaving you guys up in the up in the rafters along with the Headstuff music editor, Andrea Cleary. She was yeah, there as well. she was. And I said, hey mate, by any chance, could I possibly get a wristband for the pit? Because there's actually a lot of room, as there often is. Should also be pointed out, leaving us up in the rafters. We weren't in the nosebleeds. We were in a box. I know, but I was just like, you know, like I'm trying looking to set, down on you all. I'm trying to set the scene. You were because I thought you were on the other side, and I like raised my glass in the direction of someone. And was like, hey, <laughs> and it was like some woman who I don't know who she was. Nice and I was like, oh, you know, that, this is for you, Craig. That might have freaked her out. <laughs> so Dave got in for the second half of the show, and uh, yeah, it was it was excellent. I think it's one of the best gigs I've ever been to. Uh, after Afterwards, on Sunday, when I went to see Black Panther in the Odeon Point Village, I had a coffee with Dahi, and we <laughs> talked about the Wild Beast gig, and I said, whisper it, mate, I think it was better than Kendrick. And Dahi oh, wow. scoffed loudly and said, it wasn't, it wasn't. And I was like, oh, I think it might have been. And he goes, there's a reason they were breaking up. <laughs> oh, There's a reason it was yes. their last gig. So yeah, ice cold yeah, from Dahi that's what he's like. That is, that's harsh. Uh, like it's not like the gig was so bad they had to break up. It was um, amazing. It, it was. It was great. I mean, now frankly, the fact that yeah, they played three farewell gigs, and I mean, did any of them sell out? I mean, I certainly know the Olympia wasn't full. No. London, there were still tickets available on the day of the show. That's yeah, true. I'm not yeah. sure. That probably tells its own story in a way. It is strange, especially though, to compare. I suppose their wider impact with what was genuinely just a loving of the highest order with the people who did attend last Thursday and presumably their their gigs after that as well. They're a cult act. Absolutely. Yeah, very and much. And it felt very much so. And I mean, the set was flawless. Like They played like 25 songs or so. Yeah. Um, I, I, like, I think just because I never got a chance to see a post-Boy King gig, I might have done with a little more of the new stuff, but, you know, given the event and what it was... Do you think... Like, I felt they kind of touched on enough Boy King, really. If not, kind of almost too much, to the point where they were very much like, well, we we like this album. Sure. Um, so did I, I thought so, they would have know, delved a bit deeper, but yeah, it was every selection was There was great. a moment during Wanderlust when that synth swell came in where I needed it to be louder than it was. I <laughs> needed it to be Mogwai levels of loud, but then when they played Alpha Female, the synth was actually fucking yeah. earth-shaking, so I was like, yep. That'll do. Yeah, I found it almost unbearable, the noise, when I actually got down to the pit with you, because we were standing right in front of a speaker, mm-hmm. just blowing my ears off. But yeah, perfect perfect set list, perfect uh, kind of the breadth of what they do. But yeah, they definitely were kind of a niche act. And I know there was lots of people who were like super into it, but there is an element of them that yeah. they were never going to have the massive commercial reach because there's something knowing about what they're doing that... It's not that candid. As, as Craig mentioned last week, not making music for the cheap seats. Yeah, yeah, it? it was literally something they took pride in. So They seem yeah. genuinely touched as well. I mean, it was, yeah. you know, you're playing, preaching to the converted quite literally. But it was great. They were really up for it. Uh, Tom Fleming in particular, I thought, was an excellent showman. Where, you know, doing his All the King's Men histrionics. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. can do it too, Hayden. Yeah, very much so, yeah. Um, he really came into his own. 
Yeah. Someone who came into their own in, in a much different way at the weekend at the NBA All-Star Game was Fergie of Black Eyed Peas fame when she sang the national anthem. Let's have a little taste. So, there's been a bit of fallout from this, and we'll go straight to the source, shall we? In the wake of some criticism, can't imagine why, Fergie has said, I've always been honoured and proud to perform the National Anthem, and last night I wanted to try something special for the NBA. I'm a risk-taker artistically, but clearly this rendition didn't strike the intended tone. I love this country and honestly tried my best. Guys, Mm -hmm. let's talk about it. Yeah, the the sexy star-spangled banner. I mean, it's not often... That I can say that Draymond Green, who is you know slightly oh, yeah. rough and controversial player for the Golden State Warriors, is all of us. But uh, he was the one who was caught laughing on camera. I Brilliant. think he reflected most of us. To yeah, be it was honest. so funny. I mean, w- watching all the players, kind of the various reactions of them all, clearly being like, "What is happening?" But taking various different approaches oh. of just like you know LeBron just being like, "No, I'm just going to power through this and look serious. I've got sponsorship deals on the line." Jimmy Kimmel was kind of stifling <laughs> a, a giggle as well. Yeah. yeah, and just like yeah, a jazzy rework, which clearly took a lot of work, and at no point in that process was it just like. Hold on, let's abandon this whole idea. Yeah, so like, it's bad. I think a lot of criticism needs to be put at the NBA because one of the things, and I'm Mm. not sure if this is what came into Fergie's thinking when she was doing this, is that it had been about 10 years since the All-Star Game had been in LA, but more importantly, it had been 35 years uh, since it was in LA in the form where Marvin Gaye sang the National Anthem, which has become kind of this landmark singing of the anthem. And he kind of brought his his take onto the anthem and it was like a very important moment for him it was when he was on his comeback from uh, living in Belgium for two years and then he was an important figure too like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar people like that the NBA had a a chance there to bring someone in to do the anthem considering the the current political landscape you know they can they can basically request any artist because you know every rapper wants to be a basketball player every basketball player wants to be a rapper like, why Fergie to begin with? Like, <laughs> yeah. what did they expect? It was a very surprising choice. I was more surprised by the fact that, yeah, it was Fergie. I was like, wait a minute, really? 2018? Yeah, I mean, the other thing as well is that, as you say, you know, like both in terms of Fergie in 2018 and in terms of the current political climate, given what's happened in the NFL for the past year, um, the anthem has never been more of a focal point at a sporting event in history. Yeah. Um, so yeah, may, maybe not the best time to try to kind of change things up. Well, I'm just glad America's off that tiresome gun debate onto something that really matters. <laughs> Fergie singing the national on anthem. On the subject <laughs> of the NBA, Dave Higgins is a noted hoops fan. Mm. Who did well in that game, Dave? In the All-Star game? Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about the actual All-Star game. I want to talk about the celebrity game because I want to bring this back yes. to music. Quavo from Migos was a savage in that game. <laughs> like 19-5 and 3 or something yeah. on the stat line. So normally the All-Star game, like because it was in LA, they could kind of get a few more people in. So uh, Bieber was playing. So Bieber was playing with Common, uh, Quavo, Jamie Foxx was there, Michael B. Jordan. But Quavo was incredible. Yeah, uh, Bieber had a 
particularly terrible game. Uh, he got a pass for a wide open three, stepped in because he didn't have the range to take a two, which is garbage. So, so he's not the next Larry Bird. He, he made a layup on the like seven-year-old kid from Blackish who was playing in the game, and he got stuffed by Quavo. Quavo almost murdered a woman who tried to lay it up, and he also had like a insane Eurostep. So that Quavo was the winner of the that NBA All Star weekend. That was not weekend. a foul as well. I'm sorry. It wasn't right. a foul, but it was savage. Yeah. Oh no, it was like yeah, and he put the ball by ten rows back, but no, not a foul. <laughs> was Wim Butler no there? He's a big. Wim Butler played. Yeah. yeah. He's. Yeah. Uh, Is he good? Yeah, like he's solid. He's like he's a big he's unit. Good, like. He's good around the paint. Get your rebound. He seems very competitive. Yeah, like he he definitely For a Canadian like takes it. it. He's not Canadian. Is he not? Wayne Butler. No. He's not Canadian? No, he's from Texas. Wayne Butler. Yeah. So when did he Half of our Cape Fire are from America, but they all moved moved to Montreal. Montreal. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. That explains everything. This is a guest with added value this week, (laughs) listener. (laughs) So, yeah, back to the the anthem, though. I mean, like, as we say, they could have brought in someone like Kendrick Lamar, who was busy this week at the Brit Awards. Yeah, he popped up as a surprise performer, I think. Yeah, he wasn't scheduled to perform, but he did a performance in which he basically lay atop a big glass cage, which had Rich the Kid and a Lamborghini in it. And Kendrick was lying around, right? For a long time, this sounds long like it, was, time. it was really awkward, and because he's in this like room full of tables, it's very corporate, and it didn't really translate. It was a rare off day for him, I think. And he was also he lost a serious battle with the mute button, a la Kanye West, when he played all yeah. day a few years ago. I which, mean, the Brit Brit Awards is just a complete void. Well, Not even well, Kendrick on this kind of form can go to the Brits and come out unscathed without something slightly embarrassing. Well, happened. I'm not sure the lying on a glass case of the Lamborghini and Rich the, the Kid. That sounds like a clue from one of my picture rounds. Say <laughs> 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 so um, what you see, folks. Rich the Kid also smashed up the Lamborghini yeah, by was, take, was, taking out the windshield, the most easily replaced part of the car. Yeah, <laughs> like. Very good, lads, at the MasterCard Sponsored Brit Awards show. Uh, it was a good ad for Lamborghinis as well. Yeah, not bad. Uh, Stormzy was a big winner on the night, yeah. and mm-hmm. he called out Theresa May and the Daily Mail in a new freestyle. Yeah, he kind of freestyled to close the show and uh, made reference to the Grenfell tragedy yeah. in particular. Um, number 10 has been forced uh, just this afternoon, Tuesday, or Thursday, sorry, as we record this, um, to kind of come out and say, you know, look, we've been spending the money properly and, you know, the inquiries are ongoing and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but uh, clearly it's something that he feels very passionate about. He's spoken about it a lot before. It was and, a nice, uh, yeah. It was a nice throwback to kind of maybe the nineties Brit Awards, where you know people were a bit more, a bit looser, and didn't really give a shit about towing the line, the ITV yeah. line, so much, and actually came out with somewhat political statements the and had things to say. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, but, Jeremy you know, Corbyn, Jeremy Corbyn has hailed his performance and said, you know, that we need more of this kind of thing, yeah. which, which of course included telling the Daily Mail to suck his dick. Yeah, I think we can all agree with. Jez- Jeremy Corbyn said. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Jezza can't come out with that sort of stuff. He needs storms. He has his proxy, so to speak. Like, yeah. Dua Lipa was also a big winner, and there was also a moment where, oh, wouldn't you know, the wacky bass player from I knew you were going to, yeah, give it made some just, faces, man. It's, she just did a call me thing. It was she was making, was making big faces, man. She was making like you know, winking and call me gestures to Liam Payne, and it was so funny, guys. It was hilarious. Right. Twitter was like, my my sides burst open. I had to have emergency surgery. It was she that. makes many faces. It was that funny and like people were like oh some drunk woman so she's gone viral and then she's gone viral again and it's great Este Heim is just hilarious she's so funny they're, they're such a hilarious band they're great I love them Ed Sheeran didn't Fuck win off, anything Heim. what Ed Sheeran didn't win Do anything you not know? Uh, I know that he played a song because a lot of people on Twitter were like wait a minute he's got a song called Supermarket Flowers which is pretty funny I guess a lot of people didn't realise that was one of the latter tracks on his uh, Million Conquering Divide album but yeah. uh, he's doing alright I think he'll be okay yeah apparently he got married as well so I don't know 
Yeah, we're not sure. Did he get married? In secret, we yeah. don't know. He was, he was wearing a wedding. Like, this he very got TMZ, invaged. You know? wearing a ring. <laughs> he's got a bag. Yeah. Did you see that thing like, where he was at the Grammys recently and like someone basically took a photograph of what he was wearing. He was wearing a waistcoat, no jacket, and a black tie. And they were like, the, the caption was, how are we doing for breadsticks over here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's pretty good. Well, let's kick into the news. Yeah. Let's. Uh, similarly shy and retiring performer Liam Gallagher has been in the news this week there was a couple of things he's been up to he was interviewed by a bunch of kids for uh, Noisy which is the most noisy thing imaginable mm. and uh, I watched the video strangely adorable his uh, yeah. his, fa- his favourite Disney movie even with the seven year old kids uh, the entire experience right. uh, his favourite Disney movie what do you reckon it is oh, uh, Lion King nope Little Mermaid nope um, oh god I'm blanking Iron Giant Finding Nemo <laughs> Yeah, right. yeah, he also called a, like a seven-year-old child geezer at one stage, which, sure. which is pretty funny. But he's also been in the news because he spoke about a brawl that occurred on a German Oasis tour back in 2002 in Munich, in which uh, he had his two front teeth knocked out, and essentially has now decided that it wasn't you know a rogue punch in the melee that happened, but he reckons he was knocked out by the cops and they took pliers to his teeth as revenge for him doing one of their own, like with a punch here and there. Uh, it's quite the story. Yeah. Quite the conspiracy as well. Great conspiracy it? theory because he's saying that he didn't have a fat lip. It was you know he said that he'd been thrown on the ground, he'd break your teeth, yeah. and then he said that uh, jet fuel can't melt steel beams. <laughs> 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 Giving us all is it let that sink in? Well, no, apparently, apparently yeah. his, his main kicker on this conspiracy theory was he could still whistle, which means he couldn't possibly have happened in legitimate ways. I mean. This is... I mean, we've all been there where you wake up the next day Have and you're just... We've all woken up in a German <laughs> not, prison Not quite cell. the German prison <laughs> no with, no teeth, with no teeth. But we've all woken up the day after a session going, wonder how that happened. This wasn't just a session. Yeah, yeah well, clearly it got a bit out of hand. Don't get me wrong. He says to the interviewer, you know, if I punched you in the mouth. And I'm like, oh, God. Like, like, you, okay, like, do you know what? I think he has a very real point here, though. There would be more damage to his mouth. There would be remnants of teeth. It wouldn't just be a clean thing with no other... fucking Satyricon album, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Does he not have a point here? Uh, He was just missing his two front teeth with no other kind of like... Who am I to cast aspersions on the German police force, eh? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I'll need to see evidence maybe, but... Who who knows if he even had them to start? That's the thing, though. Like, when Liam Gallagher is in this sort of mood and clearly in this destructive streak of 2002, he could have actually had them removed by his dentist a month earlier and just forget it seems like something he'd do he also spoke about the loss of bdi he said we, we weren't selling any tickets and i thought i ain't fucking doing a third record to be fucking playing the hundred club i'd rather do fucking nothing that's perfectly fair and yeah. he took another pop at Noel, of course uh, he said he did me out mate he threw me under the fucking bus and i won't forget it he split the band up and meant the world to me just to further his career so if i have a go at him or his family get used to it so I guess that Christmas Day peace treaty is... Yeah. Uh, I mean, didn't Noel gone. break up the band after Liam had swung a guitar at him or something like that? <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was some like, violent act where Noel was like, I'm getting out of here. Again, <laughs> again, when members of Oasis <laughs> start to try to rationalise stuff that happened back during that time, it's just, you know, take everything with a pinch of salt. Okay. Uh, moving on to a transatlantic foreign our family affair where uh, the National are planning a TV show uh, more particularly, Matt Berninger is going to be making the TV show about himself. It's going to be, what, like a kind of a semi-scripted, they're going to be playing versions of themselves. I have no idea what this is about. <laughs> <laughs> We're hoping it's a comedy, he told Australian dub- Australia's Double J Radio. It's something we've been cooking for a while. Yeah. And yeah I mean, apparently, okay, he's, he continues to say the um, perspective show has a lot of the same tone as Mistaken for Strangers, which was the 2013 uh, national documentary. 
Um, but yeah, this is more scripted. It's not a film. Tom is just a subject of it. It's not a fake documentary. I, I don't understand what's happening. Yeah, we not- reached peak TV now. Is this it? <laughs> yeah, this can get greenlit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, it could be okay. He's a funny dude. Yeah, mistaken. I think before I'd seen Mistaken for Strangers, you know, you just get the impression of uh, Matt Berninger from, you know, the way he's on stage mm. and the the content of his lyrics. But yeah, he is a funny guy. His brother's a funny guy, but I just still don't know. And they like they seem like they're not afraid to poke fun at themselves. Yeah, but it just you kind of wonder if it's like a full TV show. Why would they would want to invite that level of like work and effort and opening up their lives? Yeah, I, I don't see what's the gain for them. To be quite honest, whatever about a documentary about Cover the band. Jay, we're talking about yeah, it. Yeah, I true. like how Aaron Desner was there and he was saying, you know, I don't have a speaking part, and Berenger was like, Oh, you might. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we'll have you read for it. So like. now we know how the national break up essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, what's it going to be called? The National Review. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's think about it. The National Broadcast. <laughs> Sure. Keep, keep it simple. Something with the national, yeah, yeah. essentially. <laughs> Alligator Avenue. <laughs> I like that. Sounds like a terrible kids show. I want 10% if it happens. <laughs> All right. Something else that's allegedly happening, but I doubt it is. Yeah. And I think Dave Higgins is with me on this one. It's 10% of nothing. Maynard James Keenan has been talking about Tool yet again, who of course released their last album, 10,000 Days, in 2006. There's been talk for a very long time about a new Tool album. We've talked about it on the show as well. And he's given an update, lads, and he says it's the words and the melodies are 100% done on all but one track. Someday we'll track them long way from the finish line, but at least we're closer. Dave, what do you think? Yeah, I kind of wish I hadn't read this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of kind of just resign myself to like just to learn coming back. So I don't really need to hear that there's like potentially a full album of music, but Maynard's just never going to get to it. <laughs> but now, in fairness, he seems to be the most proactive one and the one that actually is getting stuff done. So if it's kind of up to him, I feel there's more of a chance. Do you know what I mean? I feel like that's a huge move that they've actually delivered music to him. Now, I have to jump in here, boys, and say that like anybody listening to this who's worked in audio editing, our sonic architect, Eve, will know that... Basically, he here has said, um, I'm getting music files with the world final in the title and assumes that means it's done. If you've ever tried to do editing, saving something, blah, 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 final is about the 10th last version of it you'll have. You'll have final, final, you'll have finished, final, you'll have redone, final, you'll have final, finished, final, final, Tuesday morning, final. Like, there's a long way to go. I yeah. wrote final on one of the drafts of that novel I'm never going to finish on yeah. recently, and I think that might be the one that I deleted and lost 3,000 words of work on. <laughs> oh. Yay! I was never going to finish it, was I? It's fantastic. Don't worry <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not secretly really miserable about it or anything. But, uh, yeah, so one thing we know that we're getting here is a new Perfect Circle album. Yeah. And I sent the artwork to Dave Higgins recently, and you didn't believe me that it was a real thing. I thought it was something that Mudvayne would have turned down. <laughs> <laughs> How do you even describe that artwork? It's, I can't. It's like a strange man who's cut in half with long hair on one side and none on the other, holding in squid? a squid, CGI squid, and he looks like a cradle of filth extra. Oh, that's a real squid. Is it? Oh, Hold yeah. on, I'm, I'm just seeing it. Jesus. There you go. <laughs> have you not seen it? Okay. Oh, yes, I know. I did see that. Yeah, I didn't actually know what it was. If everyone um, can please Google image uh, Perfect yeah. Circle, Eat the Elephant, which is the name of the album. Why is isn't it a tiny little elephant that he's about to... The Perfect Circle album, by the way, is out on <laughs> It's out on 420, the same day as of the Sting and Shaggy album. Oh, what? Oh, boy. That's going to be a back-to-back, isn't it? 
She's like an oasis and blur all over again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I might be booking holidays for the end of April here, lads. I can't wait. Uh, finally, in terms of news for this week, Frank Ocean is getting the lawyers in. Uh, Omas Keith uh, has been uh, trying to get a songwriting credit on a lot of blonde... Um, Pink and White Be Yourself Future Free Godspeed Skyline 2 Solo White Ferrari Pretty pretty Sweet and Ivy among those he listed as being uh, involved in the songwriting and Ocean's reps have said that a complaint has been filed who, uh, against Omas Keith who's falsely stated to have written certain songs which appear in Blonde the claims are untrue and this issue is being dealt with by litigators yeah it's Frank Ocean Corner and mainly because I wanted to just bring up Blonde again I've been listening to it again <laughs> quite recently guys and uh, hot take Still, Still good. good. Holds up. Yeah. Um, this this is genuinely a slightly interesting one. If you if you've ever talked to somebody about songwriting and how the legalities of it work, because it is strange sometimes. Like I know that, for instance, in Nashville, if you're in the room when someone is writing a song you are entitled to a songwriting credit, even if you've contributed absolutely nothing. How does that work? It might just be the vibe you're giving off. It might be <laughs> that somebody's got an idea from something that you do or a face that you make or whatever. What? Genuine this like, is true, yeah. Is that why I picture this, decamped to Nashville? <laughs> just, just, so they can, just hang around so they can, better songwriters. They can, pretend, <laughs> they can pretend that they're talented. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Blonde's great, though. But this story, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a legal matter and I don't know anything about it, but it kind of struck me as someone maybe just kind of cheekily and quietly trying to pad out their CV a bit. <laughs> and be like, oh, yeah, 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 I did. Yeah, I'll I have did. most of the songs off one of the best albums of the last five years, please. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, if he was just working on the Masters, it seems pretty tenuous to be like, oh, yeah, I wrote, wrote that. that. <laughs> <laughs> wrote yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah. So he was working on the Masters. Again, I mean, I can only presume that this is something to do with, like, how finished things were when he got involved or if he was present for and or contributing some ideas. Did the files did the know. files have the word final? That's on precisely them. it. That's yeah, which thing. final was final? Yeah. Uh, Maybe Frank didn't do that and he's like, well, I've got this now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Dave, you bought the blonde vinyl, right? I did, yeah. From Frank's own website. Yes, and it's still in, in its uh like cellophane. How long it's did it take to get to you? And I still don't have a record player, by the way. <laughs> How long did it take to get to you? Because I bought Endless on uh I got the DVD and I think the vinyl or whatever. Mm-hmm. And no sign as yet. Well this was delayed. It took a couple of months. How long yeah, how long is a couple yours? of months? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah it was delayed. Very, very long. Sort it out, Frank. <laughs> Jesus lad. <laughs> he took me money quick enough. This is what I <laughs> listen to know Encore for is postage and package <laughs> timings. Oh, yeah. Postage and package corner. <laughs> it, should be, no, it should be said as well though that when musicians start moaning about how like digital and streaming has eaten into their profits and then people are like, Hey, I'll buy your vinyl and when can I expect it? October. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget the people who don't actually have a, the methodology with which to play your vinyl and still buy it for 50 quid mental 50 quid it's a collect- actually it's on sale for one day it's and a, then, and then, it's a collector's item and then prop <laughs> and then prop it up just so the man delivering your new bed can see it oh hey listen <laughs> that is a half truth okay <laughs> I, have no, I didn't know about this i got a new bed a while ago right and uh <laughs> when it was being brought into the room i took a photograph of the bed and i said check it out lads got a new bed and to the corner, you could see the Frank Ocean vinyl and my Converge vinyl of the live Jane Doe album. Propped Here are two up. vinyls. There, I've got a small, like, kind of a, like, like not a skirting board, but if a skirting board was like a shelf and was a bit bigger, th- this is what I have. It's a, a raised surface area in the corner of my room upon which can uh, neatly fit two vinyls at an angle. For now, until I get more. You might Stay tuned. Guess. 
a record player first. Yeah. I should probably get a record player, yeah. Uh, I'm in the market for one if anyone's selling uh, or has any recommendations. At No Encore <laughs> Show. Some boy from Frank Ocean because we'll turn up next year. Somebody who did appear, though, on Endless, I believe. Reggie Snow. Oh, yeah. Didn't yeah. Reggie Snow get, like, somehow get, get onto one of that project? Yeah. He's got an album, and that's our album of the week. The album's called Dear Annie. It's out about a week. It sounds like this. Ring ring, I'm trying to get my whole thing back. True. But baby, I always want to bring up shit from the past. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa, our options are limitless. Putting in effort for the effort is too effortless. Whoa. Fuck, check, see the necklace Gold hit the lips every time that I'm hitting it Huh, I told her, baby, I'm sorry But if you think we got problems, the baby, watch Mari Yeah, that's why you gotta smell the roses We parted ways like she cheated with Moses That's fucked up, but a lot of things are In Hollywood, but I never see stars Do anything for you, that's love Go anywhere for you, that's love Might even kill for you, that's love And if you're still tripping, that's drugs Just a sorrow Okay, so Reggie on Twitter yesterday uh, said that Dear Annie is better than Culture 2, the Migos album. Aren't they on the same management label thing now, 300 Entertainment? <laughs> yeah, 300, yeah. I wonder if that tweet is still alive. Reggie's an outspoken character. Uh, Craig, I recall before on the show we talked about one of his tracks that came along before this, which isn't on here, I think it was Pink Beetle. And you were kind of saying, you know, you want the best for Reggie. You were saying, like, you know, you <laughs> yeah, think that... I'm his mother. <laughs> because it's always been a story of potential with this guy, I mm. think. So, ultimately, he has now put out his debut album proper. I mean, The Moon and You was out last year, and that apparently didn't count. It was more of a mixtape, which I thought was very good. I thought, sure. was, I thought it was in the 10 best Irish albums of last year. Dear Annie is the official proper debut album, and he's making a count. There's 20 tracks here. And it goes on a narrative, and it, it kind of has him dropping in here and there and kind of leading the charge, almost in a Frank Ocean-esque way to a degree of having this kind of overall overarching thing, I guess, where he's being interviewed and there's little snippets of that kind of stuff. So after all that, after all that we've known about him or not known about him and wondered if he's going to be the next big thing, does he deliver? And I guess that's kind of a generic question. Let me ask you this question. How would you describe Reggie Snow in five words? Huh. Okay, <laughs> if I if I if, if I can take this and and it kind of does go some way towards answering your original question. Five well. words. If, <laughs> if, yeah, if you'd asked me ten days ago, say I probably would have gone with young, ambitious, talented. Um, I guess um, versatile, and I don't know, like potential. Okay. As it were. Does anybody else want to feel that before I try my own? No. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say I don't think I can. Okay, you see, uh, the yeah. thing is that, well, yeah, like I say, when you were talk- using words like, you know, versatile and potential and so on and so forth, like, it was very much the fact that, like, even though he'd had a limited discography up to that point, he kind of showed that he could probably turn his hand to everything. I mean, I saw somebody during the week describe him as a polymath, and it's not a million miles off, certainly musically speaking. Having listened to this record, I'm not sure an awful lot of those gaps have been filled in or a lot of those question marks have been answered if somebody asked me now to describe reggie snow i think i would be pretty much in a similar position than i was 10 days ago yeah um i i don't feel like i learned a huge amount about him um more than we already knew i think a lot of the aspects of 
his kind of his rap game a lot of the things that got us excited in the first place are kind of missing here he mm. takes a, a certain approach which I think is a kind of safe guarded success there's a lot of quality here and I think it will he puts his kind of best foot forward tentatively I think and I think it will Dave you said but you know I, I said before that I, I kind of want the best for him I think this will be a great launch pad for him but I don't know if it's necessarily the best debut album he could have made yeah, I found myself, the more I listened to this album, kind of going, ah, I'm not enjoying your company. I'm not <laughs> yeah. enjoying your insights. I'm not enjoying these kind of well, he doesn't 3 a.m. Really- like missives about nothing. That kind of like, you know, almost fucking like Bukowski style, you know, self-reflection and being hung up on somebody. And I found myself kind of being like thinking about like the people that this would appeal to and I felt that it's like the kind of guy at a fucking party that you don't want to talk to yeah I mean I was gonna I'm sorry I was just gonna say I mean I don't think there really are that many insights which is the problem really yeah I think I think there's good here and I can see that he's good but after listening to this kind of you're wondering where he's going to become great um and I feel that there's definitely a lot of talent there and I think that he's got the production to kind of back it up in a lot of the cases and it kind of, it does complement him quite well. But, he, yeah, just, I found this a real kind of slog towards the end. Like there's, you know, we talked about 20 tracks and you guys talk about complaints about super long albums. Yeah. Now, I mean, to be fair, I mean, like, you know, we say 20 tracks, there's three or four of them are intermissions and kind of interludes with this strange kind of faux DJ late night radio interview yeah. which doesn't work at all no, for me but I, I, well, I mean you know what actually no when it starts you're just like well this could be interesting but you know what he kind if of if it actually does shed light especially if as is the case the songs are perhaps not as explicit in terms of message and feeling the, as they might yeah. be instead there's one here where and it has to be heard to be believed in many ways where it's the DJ is like, you know, yeah, I'm going to make sweet love to my wife. And Reggie goes, yo, yo, this is LMFAO and it's a song about nothing. nothing yeah. And you're like, well, that's a great inclusion on your record, wasn't it? This is the thing. It's like he's sabotaging his own yeah, album. Yeah. He's, it's kind of, he's so disinterested in his own kind of work or like even, it's like listening to an interview where the interviewee doesn't want to be there, but the interviewee has scripted it and put it on his debut album. Yeah, and like he's also the interviewer. I mean, like the well, yeah, the course, DJ yeah. device reminded me of all things the video game Hotline Miami, because that's a thing which is very knowing sure. and it has this kind of aesthetic that is like deliberately throwback while also kind of you know using some modern tropes and even using old style mechanics and what it presents to you and the way it depicts itself but also manages to be inventive, fast, fun, engaging, and has a bit of a kind of a good subtext to it. Those aspects are missing on this. And I found myself, even like when he talks about, you know, oh, I met this girl and like, you know, we went down to the beach and made love. Before we did that, you know, she was just really mean to me. And I was like, this is boring. It's so it's bizarrely this is, this juvenile is, is, as well. It's has been around a while. It's a bit generic. Should, yeah. It's not interesting like alright well let's start trying to move towards some of the positives here because despite the fact that we've kind of been ranting here I think we all agreed that Reggie Snow is extremely talented and there is a lot of good on this album Dave what's today for you Um, I think towards the middle like there's like I think three songs in a row Spaceships Egyptian Lover and The Ends is like really really strong yeah. Um, all the production from Rocky I think I yeah. want to say yeah. the pronunciations on, the, on uh, <sighs> thinking so. on Spaceships Catronada uh, on Egyptian Lover is really, really yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Stand out, yeah. Um, and then I think it's involved in quite a bit of the production here. The production really is pretty sterling across the board. Yeah, and I think Reggie kind of sells across it really well, whilst mm-hmm. maybe not being. 
I mean, he's constantly being compared vocally to a Tyler or someone like that, and he doesn't quite have maybe the charisma, or maybe he's too detached or doesn't have enough to say to be the kind of centre of attention or, like, really be that kind of, you know, centre of gravity. But he can kind of glide across really good productions like this and be, like, a great kind of addition to it. I mean, his vocals, while he's not, you know they're not that mannered they're enjoyable it, they, like this it's this is more of a neo soul album than a hip hop album absolutely really. yeah. and barely rapping at times c- like, comparison to the jump yeah. to my mind rather than anybody like Tyler who I've read so often it was, for me this was definitely the sort of Malibu feel to be honest mm. and I think it's interesting that he's kind of not afraid to go into like Malibu is quite a bright and colourful and fun album and this while it kind of sounds like he's talking you know it's essentially kind of feels like a breakup album longing for someone and then one of the highlights for me is that he's not afraid to finish on a real downer like Greatness is I think quite a good song but like uh, lyrically you know it's really really quite heavy yeah well, in that mind, I think the standard track for me was Room 27, which is about, you know, possibly joining the 27 Club via the method of suicide in this regard. He talks about, you know, his demons kind of coming in and, like, shadows coming over him and having to try and shake that off. And I thought that was one of the only moments in this album when not only could I relate, but I was like, there's a vulnerability here. Um, I mean, like, I think Reggie's smarter than being kind of, I think it would be unfair and just plain wrong to throw accusations of braggadociousness at him. But at the same time, I feel like he just leaned into some stuff here that he didn't need to. Almost, like, there's moments here where this album is cliched and it's a bit kind of Oh, like, without a doubt. And also I'm- very first drafty and first drafty of a diary as well that I just don't know is compelling enough to justify yeah. This project, I don't, I don't think like the stories are there. And they're I, not. And they're he, absolutely not. Yeah, and the way to get around that was if he was compelling enough to then have opinions about what's going on with the outside world. And he's talked in interviews about he's like, oh, it's a balancing act. Should I really like get political or should I comment on stuff? So he's still very much trying to find his voice, and I think he can hear that. Plus, on this also, where he just there's a difference into, again. There's a difference between like, juven- juvenile and say adolescence because I think you know there are parts of this album that reminded me a little bit of Blonde because Blonde has a kind of a motif throughout it that comes and goes mm. and as does this record So, and because they're kind of coming out in the last kind of two years apart you can't help but make the comparisons and I think with this like with Frank you, like we mentioned the track Future Free and that song is so emotional and it has like literal interviews with children and kind of teenagers talking about their hopes and their dreams and there's that kind of you know kind of sense about it where you're like okay this is real and I can kind of tap back into this and there's a certain poignancy to this because you know you can't go back you can only go forward whereas on this album like Reggie's observations and his own kind of soul searching is just a bit stuck Mm. I really expected more it's actually yeah and the the parts where I think he works best like I I really like Mon I like a lot of the French touches on this and the kind of dreamlike productions and when he just fully leans into maybe the more sensual aspects of the music or just gives in completely to the melody and starts singing that's when he's really performing but it's when he's trying to then do the whole here's me kind of laying out my stall as a rapper and my story. There just doesn't seem to be there's enough presence there. in that no, respect. Not, no. And even in the 27 Club, or sorry, Room 27, where he talks about joining the 27 Club, there, there's a line where he's like, you know, I think it's like, wish you'd understand my fucking thoughts. And you're like, listen, dude, I, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally giving an error to this album and you're not really laying too many of them out there, to be perfectly honest. Um, there are other enjoyable parts as well, I would add in. Um... Daffy and Celeste have company in the surprise corner of the year where uh, if somebody had told me that Reggie Snow's album would have a Republic of Loose cover, didn't see that coming. And it's quite enjoyable. Charlie Brown? Yeah. Yeah. That's 
yeah, kind of blew my mind when I heard it. I was like, <laughs> I kind of, when I was listening to it, I kind of had so many weird things I was getting from it. When you, you said you liked all the French stuff, it, that was reminding me of Lovage. I don't know if you remember Lovage, Dan the Automator, Mike yeah. Patton and Jennifer Charles, like early 2000s, very like kind of, kind of, kind of over the top knowing erotic R&B album. Yeah, and there was a lot yeah. of that. And then, um, yeah, Republic of Loose and then LMFAO, which I think is probably the low point of the album. Reminded me of the Mighty Boosh, which is probably not a good thing. <laughs> That's not a good thing, no, Jesus. Um, okay, so let's change tack for a second. Uh, Paul Allwright, who used to operate as Lethal Dialect, mm-hmm. on Twitter last week said, I had to listen to the Reggie album. It's musically great, and there's no doubt the man can write a tune, but the faux American accent. Imagine the Dogsby's we'd give an American rapper for putting on a fake Irish accent. He said, I'm not a musical authority, by the way, and I don't care for any of the cliches, but rap is so similar delivery-wise to poetry and speech that it's absurd to me. Imagine I spoke in a Dublin vernacular, but every time I read in a poem, I did it in a mad Glaswegian accent. I didn't find Reggie's accent too Americanized. No, did you? Really. And he's been living in the States since, like, didn't he get a football scholarship Soccer there? Scholarship, yeah. yeah, so he's kind of been... Yeah, I mean, how much time has he been spending in Dublin since he was in the late teens? Well, he's, sound, he's had that accent since kind of day one. I don't really mind it. I mean, we uh, talked about enjoying Wild Beasts. Hayden Thorpe, you know, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a pantomime villain, and it's fine. You know, it's it's yeah. it's performance. So, sure. yeah, totally. you know, if you feel comfortable in that, I think, you know, go for it. Yeah, I like there's in the um, the Guardian review for this, Alexis Petrutus is talking about how he wish, wished it was a bit more Irish. He's like, I'm not saying get the shillelagh out and blah, 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 but... And then I'm just thinking, well, that's not, like, Reggie Snow's experience. Like, yeah, totally, he, yeah. He, he kind of points out all these kind of slang terms that, like, Reggie is using, and he's like, well, that's not coming from Dublin. It's like, yeah, but it's what he's constantly hearing in, like, the culture he interacts with, the entertainment, the media he consumes. That has been his upbringing, just because it's not off the streets of Dublin, like. Yeah, I don't doubt authenticity here. Yeah. I think these experiences are absolutely his experiences. I just think that they're not the most compelling, and I think that this is an underwritten narrative that's overcooked by its production. And at the same time, it did come to feel like a chore. I wish I wasn't saying this, but I think it's a 5 out of 10. I would go a little higher than that just because the music is great. I would say 6, maybe even a 6.5. 6.5, I think, because I did actually find it a relatively enjoyable listen. But in terms of the strength of the stories and his personal presence on the record, I thought it could have been a lot better. Yeah, I'd give it a 6 because it is a you know pleasant listen. Um, I, I can't really have too many qualms about the sound of it at all, and there's some tunes, but yeah, um, missed opportunity, so 6. Yeah, I can't see myself really going back to it a lot, but I'm definitely kind of interested to see what he comes with next. And I think it's interesting that apparently he'd been sitting on this album for about a year and a half. Yeah. You see, uh, and then it's like, <laughs> you know, if you want to use the overcooked metaphor, it's there, but... Um, yeah, probably a six for me as well. Yeah. See, I guess it's just a disappointment that, like you say, he's sat in the album for a year and a half. People who've known about Reggie Snow for a long time have been waiting for this for a lot longer than that. Yeah. And now that it's here, all we can say is, look forward to seeing what else we get down the line. Which is really frustrating. And I know the Pitchfork review concluded with that as well. And I'm like, ah, but like, it shouldn't be. Here's your potential. This is the album that was supposed to announce you. Sure, and yeah, it, it should have been a coming out party, and yeah, it didn't quite work out that way. Yeah, and I just think in this day and age, you know, you gotta fucking strike while the iron's hot. Uh, look, the guy's 24. 24. 24. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I suspect he'll be fine. I suspect he chances. could very well be great, but yeah. I wanted it now. I mean, is that, is, is, no, <laughs> I is, now. is that selfish of me? Maybe. But I thought. Hey, it's, it's natural as well. I just thought yeah. that. I, I really thought that he was the guy and there was going to be something special. There, f- yeah. yeah, I feel like there's a lot of hedging his bets with this. 
to kind of try to appeal to a certain audience, kind of hit the marks of stuff he likes. He's very indebted to his influences, and this sounds like it. But maybe that's out of his system now, hopefully. Okay, well, look, maybe he can look forward to a long and illustrious career. Uh, one act, which should probably hang it up at this stage, is Muse, <laughs> and they will lead us into the songs of the week with their new single. Of course, it's called Thought Contagion. Thought Contagion. Mind zombies, Dave. <laughs> so, Muse, a band, like, they make it so difficult. I used to love Muse. I used to be a big fan. And I think that they're the most cringeworthy thing in music right now. Or one of. Especially when Matt Bellamy comes out with nonsense like the guitar has become a textural instrument rather than a lead instrument. What's exciting about this period of music is you can mix classical with hip-hop and rock in the same song. As a rock band, you're slightly one foot in the past, playing instruments like guitar, bass and drums. On the latest single, however, you know, they've decided to use a big 808 drum machine, drops and stuff, according to Matt, and go all trap with this theremin-infused nothing-of-a-song. Hang it the fuck up. Yeah, it's over. He sounds like Andrew Lloyd Webber talking about his next musical. It's like, yeah, we're getting in trap and everything. Yeah. It's, you know, mixing rock with opera. This is dreadful. And, like, yeah, they're a totally different bands to what that, like, albums like Absolution, I can't believe they're the same band. <laughs> He's now gone into... A mode of writing where he's essentially like knocking out tunes that are just like the soundtrack for the Alex Jones show. It gets very <laughs> kind of spinal taps, kind of social no. fucking commentary error. It's dreadful, there dreadful stuff. That. What's more, though, like, you know, having seen Muse play live on a handful of occasions, most recently during the Drones tour uh, here <laughs> Drones. in Dublin. Even I know. the name of Drones. that fucking album makes me laugh. Mine Zombies. No, but like, um, but... <laughs> When they talk about, like, guitar is dead, etc. So sick of you know, it. Or, sorry, it's a textural instrument, Neil McCormick, uh, Telegraph Music mm-hmm. blowhard this week, uh, was like, Gibson are in trouble financially, and he was like, the guitar is dead! I'm like, oh, right, Shut I up. I don't think that's what it is, Shut mate. the fuck up. But anyway, yeah, like, this whole thing, like, you know, textural instrument rather than a lead instrument. I'm frankly, like, if they could, or if they wanted to, depending on whichever is the cause here, write another... Origin of Symmetry. Or, yeah, plug in baby, newborn, those sort of like proper rock songs. Like, clearly, it's not that a guitar is incapable of providing your main riff anymore. It seems to be the fact that Muse are incapable of writing a song that, I, you know, can actually carry Well, that. he says, you know, basically admitting to chasing trends, we've always kept an eye on what's going on, and we've taken influence from things we think are, co- are cool in contemporary music. It's Andrew always Lloyd been Weber. a theme. But also, like, are they going for, like, reggaeton next? <laughs> <laughs> he says that, he goes, get sting on the blower. <laughs> it's almost like genre was an aesthetic that people attach themselves to. I'm sorry, Matt, but that's not what genre means. Yeah. Stop trying to, like, you know, fucking thread your own narrative by, like, covering up how much of a mess you've but made. But also, what, like, are whoa, whoa, whoa cro- choirs on the cutting yeah. edge now, are they're, they? They're pinching from bloody U2's The Miracle of Joey Ramone <laughs> and making a hash of it. So when I listened to this, I kind of, I thought of you talking about Ash last week as right. a, you know, a young boy and they used to be your band and hey, like, like, music, oh, music open, open for, for Ash. Him. Yeah, that that's, that's actually what kind yeah. of uh, set me off on it. So yeah, like Dave, I was a big Muse fan in my, my early teens when I had questionable music choices and I had, you know, I thought Michael Moore was the truth. <laughs> <laughs> but did, even, you, did you have Stephen Whiteman just like I did? Oh yeah, I yeah, read yeah, that. Yeah. I went to see. I Fire think I was, 9-11. Oh, yeah. all of them, all of them. 
but even me at 15 years old I think I with my you know my limited junior cert level understanding of history would have been like oh really brace for the final solution are we putting <laughs> yeah. that in a song the way, he, the way he sings it, he's so proud he's of it he's so, like, so happy with himself when, when, I, when it first happened he said what was he says before he's like there will be no revolution he's like I was like he's gonna do it isn't yeah. he he's yeah. gonna do it I can hear it <laughs> you can feel like the, like the hair is standing up on your back oh. as you're like don't do it Matt uh, Blade <laughs> Trinity has a line about the vampire final solution that was 2004 and it was stupid then <laughs> this is 2018 and Muse are yeah like why don't they just go full musical like, yeah. well, also they will they, it's they, only they a matter of time have, also yeah. by the way they are uh, are you aware of how they're releasing this album one song by at drone? a time oh. not by drone uh, one song at a time we're getting one song at a time for the next 12 months can we stop doing them as songs of the week now episodic no. content we must do every song <laughs> every, tell you what tell you what here's the deal I'll make with you I'll do a Matt Bellamy and I'll keep an eye on what's going on <laughs> and if I think that music of a song that's worth discussing I'll bring it to the table in the uh, meantime can I have a number between two and five Dave Higgins uh, I will go for uh, three. Three. All right. <laughs> it's a trio. It's ASAP Rocky, Gucci Mane, and 21 Savage. The song is called Cocky. Too many bad bitches. I don't cuff them. I just hand them. 21. Off like a layup. I ain't got time to lay up. Met my count at Roof. Chris, she told me that I'm way up. 21. Already bad for seconds. I ain't even clean my plate up. Ran me up 100 M's and then I put my bay up. 21. Way out in the hills. I just signed a deal. I ain't take no advance, so you know that split was real. All my diamonds carries, them little pointers be too lil. Glaciers in my ear, I need a cup, they bout to spill. Too fucking cocky, baby, I'm too fucking cocky. Too fucking cocky, baby, I'm so fucking cocky. Too fucking cocky, baby, I'm too fucking cocky. So that's cocky, sadly not a repurposing of Kid Rock classic. <laughs> What's that lyric? Yeah, I'm cocky, but uh, they say I'm cocky. So is Rocky, and I say what? It ain't bragging, motherfucker. If you back it up, <laughs> I'll get my coat. No, no, no. I'm glad you no, remembered stay, it. Stay, man. Stay. So, that's, that's sweet. How do we feel about this team up? Yeah, it's it's like every ASAP Rocky song. It's like it's passable. It's fine. It's kind of uninspiring. Uh, he's always. Never the best thing on one of his songs. Um, <laughs> the thing I'm very excited about, I only realised when I looked at the artwork, is that it is from the soundtrack for a movie, Uncle Drew. Yeah. Which the is adaptation a of a Pepsi, Pepsi Max, Max commercial. <laughs> Sorry, what? So there's a... It sounds like a Johnny Knoxville an NBA project. Player, there was one. An NBA player, Kyrie Irving, uh, famously, who believes that the earth is flat. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, he did somebody at the All-Star Game <laughs> went there for ESPN with the purpose of getting a globe signed by Kyrie Irving. <laughs> That's and, fantastic. And he did. <laughs> So he did a couple of commercials for Pepsi Max uh, a few a few years ago that were basically very similar to that Jason Byrne show Anonymous where he they put on old man makeup on him and then he went to like pick up games in like in parks around America and he's like oh can I can I play and then he'd like start off like real old man like really like clunky jump shot and then eventually he'd just start like crossing people up and breaking <laughs> ankles and like dunking so apparently that's a movie now yeah. starring Shaquille O'Neal also in Old Man Are you uh, going to go? Yeah, I'm so excited. Of course. I would go see any movie about basketball. Are you going to go as an old man? (laughs) Apparently it's going to be a massive hit. Like, people are very hyped for this. Are you going to go and see, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, I only found out yesterday, Den of Thieves 2 has been greenlit? I have. I've I've heard about this. Did not know there. there. A film that does not need a sequel. (laughs) No, no. But is getting one. In which Big Nick, Jared Butler, is going to chase across Europe for a diamond heist. All right, let's hold back on track here if we can, boys. (laughs) Um, Don't know if you can. This tune... I like clues in the name really, isn't it? Like it, it is just kind of bragging for four minutes. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, 
to be honest, it's grand if it owns it, isn't it? Yeah, and I think Azar Brocky, I mean, that's his best, like, that's <laughs> his best mode, that, yeah. really. I mean, he's yeah. best when he's just kind of rapping about nothing that means anything whatsoever. <laughs> and yeah, I think he is actually the best when he's on, like, a posse track. And that probably is because, as Dave says, because he's, you know, he's never quite the best thing on it, so it kind of elevates him. Yeah. I think he actually is maybe the best thing here. Gucci Mane. Oh, Gucci's <laughs> the best here. Really? I thought he was stinking up the place, to be quite honest. Really? <laughs> stinking up the place. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't think Gucci did a great job whatsoever. I actually quite like Gucci's verse, but the one thing is that I'm not sure he fit the song as well as the other yeah, two. Maybe it it's weird. because the other two actually like did verses together, so to speak. Like, yeah, it's a London yeah. on the track production. It's not really much of a production either. No. It's, it's very wispy. There. There's not a lot there. But I think it's got a certain momentum to it. It's, it's, it's fine like for what it is. I was bored. Give me a number. Four. All right. Colm Regan can introduce this one because he brought it to the table. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I, I, I have them written down in a different order to you guys. I, <laughs> I was like, A$AP Rocky Gucci in <laughs> No, this is a young Australian artist called Woods. It's called Origami. Sounds like this. We make origami. We got paper bodies. Let's make origami. Uh, yeah, following on from our infatuation with Hatchie at the end of last year, clearly we've just been on a twist of young Australian female solo artists. Um, this is... Uh, Do you want to rephrase that? It sounded like I was very like... I was like drinking water and I was like, I've been doing what now? Like, <laughs> what did I say? Young Australian women. And I was like, what, 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 what when? Like, you fell on a twist? It's a twist, yeah. I was like, what does that mean? I was like... No, it's fine. All right. Okay. But I, I was just like, for a moment there, I was like, what have I been doing? <laughs> Yeah, I, my, my mind. I'm not was, accusing you of anything. My mind was blown, Colm. <laughs> I'll have you know, I've retired from romance. So there you go. <laughs> I was just waiting for a down under joke, but anyway. Oh dear, there's still time. Yeah. So this stuck out to you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I can't even remember where I came across it, but basically I just started going through her back catalogue. Her name is Elle Graham. She's 24 years old from Melbourne, and yeah, this track. I mean, it sounds like something where it's just been named for what they've created as far as I can tell, because apparently like, there's 136 tracks of samples and tune yeah. on this, and I think they've created something really texturally beautiful, to be honest. It works really well, and actually, apparently, they started with the title, and then uh, decided to... Yeah, so <laughs> that's exactly what they did. And it does work really well. It's kind of... It's catchy, but it's totally unorthodox. I like the kind of odd structure to it, but she holds it really well together. Um, it could just be a total mess, but it's not. It's a kind of... It's a fragile kind of quite beautiful thing. I think it works really well. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm really, I'm a big fan of this. And uh, yeah, like, I'm really annoyed that I've been beaten to my obvious it folds in upon itself uh, <laughs> <laughs> like line that I had prepared at around two o'clock this afternoon. I felt very proud of myself. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's really, really good. It's very well produced. Uh, she's got a really uh, captivating voice as well and good presence. And also, by the way, uh, on the subject of uh, female Australian artists, uh, Delta Goodrum has a new song out. Huh. Did you know that? I, I clearly did not. I uh, didn't listen to it. That would have been in here otherwise. I assume she's just been releasing songs, you know, you know, fairly regularly for the last ten years, and I've just yeah. missed them all. Probably big in Australia, though. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I think the song's fine, I guess. Oh, I didn't have the... Captain bring down over here, <laughs> huh? <laughs> Wasn't completely enamored with it the way you guys were. Like you said, the production is uh, really interesting and nice, but vocally I kind of found it kind of... Do you think it's average? better than Man of the Woods by Justin Timberlake? <laughs> <laughs> I have not listened to that album. And I I will, no, I haven't. That's why I listen to you guys, because I can just be like, well, I'm never listening to that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Well, we, uh, she's we got an EP suffered. coming out, uh, possibly tomorrow. By the way, it's either tomorrow or next week. I literally couldn't work it out because I was looking at the date that the Australian article was written, and I was like, "That next the time they, difference yeah, is." They say Friday <laughs> is the next Friday or this Friday. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I'd never had that problem before, and now I will. Thanks very much. <laughs> Up next, it's Father John Misty. He's back with a new song. It's called Mister Tillman, and it's all very knowing and ironic. What a surprise! <laughs> No need to walk around No, it's not too bad a crime Mr. Tillman, for the seventh time We have no knowledge of a film That is being shot outside Those aren't extras in a movie They're a clientele No, they aren't running lines And they aren't exactly thrilled Would you like Father John Missy, who uh, has a three-night stand at Vicker Street this May. I'm looking forward to catching him live for the very first time. As am I, yeah. And if he doesn't play this, I really won't mind. It's really? Not, it's not great, is it? I, I actually quite like it. Um, it. It There's not a lot to it whatsoever. It's a couple of bars of a melody which he just repeats <laughs> ad nauseum. But... Um, no, I really, like lyrically, I thought it was interesting enough to kind of hold my attention. I wished there was a few different sections to the song. I'm hoping this is just a kind of maybe a nice palate cleanser on the actual album. Uh, like I'm, I'm hoping this isn't like, here's the big lead single. Um, but the melody was kind of nice enough for me to get into it. It's been stuck in my head since I first heard it. Um, very simple. Again, yeah, knowing the kind of lyrically, it's that Steve Malkmus thing. Um, good. It's fine. Yeah, I found it pleasant. It's a pleasant Father John Misty ditty. Um, yeah, it kind of. I do wonder what it'll be like if if this is the sign of the the new album. I wasn't a fan of his last record. I found it kind of really bloated, and I just couldn't get past that leaving LA song. <laughs> I was like always pulling <laughs> yeah. the ejector seat on it. Um, yeah, this is fine. I found uh, lyrics were kind of they were fun, uh, but yeah, it's just. I don't know what it is. Like as you said, like it feels like a palate cleanser. When you put out "Real Love Baby" as kind of a featherweight, you know, this is what I'm up to. Yeah. that had more than this. No, I disagree. Really? Yeah, completely. Oh. "Real Love Baby" for me, it was kind of a bit too pastiche. Uh, whereas at least with this, I think it points towards what the album probably will be, and I'm kind of excited about that because is there definitely a new album coming out this year? I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's finished more or less, on isn't it? That, yeah, it yeah. kind of sonically it harkens back to like the Fear Fun thing. There's a bit more energy to it, which interests me and he's looking at himself again as opposed to pontificating about the world yeah but you see i think it falls between two stones in that regard in that it doesn't quite actually have the sort of introspection that you'd need for a kind of a personal reflection in terms of a song like it it, like it's fairly lightweight in that regard but as well then in terms of being a sort of a, a narrative thing especially along the lines that he'd write on say i love you honey bear um that's not really there either. Like the the the, kind of the characters in this hotel, it seems, um, aren't being fleshed out in any way. The events aren't being fleshed out in any way. So it all ends up a bit lightweight for me. It is just him kind of being quirky and weird. And there's a law diminishing returns in that in that regard. That you know, like the whole Father John Misty thing 
is not going to be nearly as entertaining if the material isn't if strong If this is a concept album about a hotel... <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'm on board. Yeah, if he yeah. goes, yes, yeah, if he goes full Wes Anderson yeah, with this, absolutely. Shit. Yeah, like I, until this moment, I didn't even think of that, but I'd actually really welcome that. Hmm. And if this was a one of like twelve people in the hotel, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking this is going to work much better in context. Well, yeah, but we don't actually know yet mm. if this is an yeah. album track or if it's just a standalone, but I guess we'll see. We will see, but we'll see a lot quicker when David Byrne drops his hot new album. On the something of March first Ninth. week, Eighth. the ninth is it? Same day as Young Fathers, I believe. That's gonna be what a time to be alive. Interesting Friday. Well, we've heard one track so far, and here's another one. It's called "This Is That." That's when there's a knock at the door, and that's what. We're doing it for well. That's when I got your message. Featuring One Tricks Point Never, previously heard on the Good Time soundtrack, which was very good indeed. David Byrne, back in the saddle once again. Does he yeah. still have it, lads? Uh, yeah, I think this is a great uh, collaborative choice because yeah. what you need with David Byrne, just because he's such a huge presence. You need somebody who has a style of their own that isn't going to get overpowered. I think that's why Brian Eno always makes a decent foil for him. I think One Tricks Point Never Here makes an incredibly good one for him. Um, it's actually quite uplifting as well. Yeah. Um, it, it, it kind of builds and, uh, yeah, there's kind of something enjo- joyous about it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, the production is great. It's kind of got this Bjorkian thing to it. Mm. And him just over it is almost, it's like it's very New York. It's almost Lou Reed doing Street Hassle. Um, And like he's been talking about how, I think his manager, his publicist or something said, you know what, I think you're having a bit of a Leonard Cohen moment. Not in like dying, but actually in the kind of renaissance. And it feels like with this album, like I'm getting kind of excited about it. This is another kind of great marker i think um i think he's hitting a real sweet sweet spot here yeah i think this is uh fantastic and he's kind of in a place where he's kind of been so influential to so many kind of new artists that if he just says i want to work with someone that he'll have everyone coming straight to him uh i think one of church point ever is great in this like both the his production could work independently as something really nice and then uh burns vocal could work really well and as you said it like it really builds like that harpsichord towards the end is like it's gorgeous it really reminded me of uh everything that will happen will happen today on his last record yeah, yeah. which was just like an incredible moment but i mean he's going way further like there's a lyric on this which i figure has to be a like call back to once in a lifetime where he's talking about like river overflows and that's when i use my cash card which is surely into the blue again water when all the money's gone yeah i mean he's, t- he's talking about society and he says this album's going to be about kind of you know being stuck in a rut in this awful world but also having kind of aspirations and that kind of desperation or that struggle um and he's brilliant at that he's yeah. been doing it since the late 70s very well so i'm excited <laughs> so am i yeah i think this could be a really good album yeah. Shock, I know, like the David Byrne <laughs> conceptual genius that he is could put together something very good with the cast of characters and also with contemporary leanings and things to say. Very much looking forward to it, along with that Young Fathers album, another interesting back-to-back. Yeah, definitely. That does it for Songs of the Week, and it just about does it for, for the No Encore podcast for this week. But before we go, 
What else have we been listening to? I myself have been listening to all of those Choice Music Prize nomination albums because that's coming up pretty soon. Doing your duty. Doing my fucking work. Uh, what, what's your favourite album? <laughs> uh, I'll tell you about that yeah. in a couple of weeks when we find out who wins. Uh, but yeah, I'm putting in the work. Good. Putting in the hard yards. Well done, buddy. Good to hear. Taking it seriously. Um, I've been listening to Car Seat Headrest's um, Twin Fancy, which is a re-recorded album. It's one of the kind of ones he put together when it was like just him in his bedroom and it was very lo-fi um, and it sounds great and songwriting is very good considering he was a teenager when he put the songs together so yeah that's good stuff I have been listening to Johnny Greenwood's score for Paul Thomas Anderson's Phantom Thread it is wonderful it's uh, it's very different to kind of what he's done before um, it's very romantic it's big gorgeous swelling strings uh, reminds me a lot of Kind of a lot of the, the classical music that uh, Kubrick used in Barry Lyndon. It's very good. This is a very on-brand choice for you. I still haven't seen Phantom Thread. Is it good? It's fantastic. Okay. Uh, we forgot to talk about it in the preamble. Let's talk about it real quick now. <laughs> because it actually uh, kind of is a good relayer of last week. Because you were saying, oh, I wonder how the Black Panther soundtrack will sure. hold up in the movie itself. Both Dave Higgins and I separately on the Lord's Day went to see Black Panther. And the soundtrack is underused, I thought. It's barely in it. Right. It, like, it's like they, three times, isn't it? There's they splice. The, the, the weekend track. The weekend track is when they walk into a casino, and then there's an action scene afterwards in which they splice ops with King's Dead. Yeah. And then there's maybe something all the stars at the end. And all the stars at the end, which is a really good, as you thought it would be, yeah. credits thing. What do you think of the film, Dave? I thought it was good. I w- must say that the score is actually good. For, I quite enjoyed the score, though. Which is rare for a Marvel movie. Yeah, yeah. but not, that's uh, Ludwig, Ludwig Johansson. The guy did the... Uh, Creed soundtrack. Oh, okay. And he worked did a lot of like uh, production for Charles Gambino, not in the last record, but like in his early days. So I thought that was good. Movie's good as well. It's uh, one of the better Marvel movies. Suffers from the Marvel third act of CGI nonsense. It really, really, really does when it turns into fucking Tron Legacy at the end when they have a big fight scene. It's fine. It's good. It's three out of five. It's your typical Marvel thing. But yeah, maybe slightly above average. Uh, very enjoyable, but ultimately it's a bit boring. It's a bit long doesn't need to be it makes the pacing is all over the place and yeah it's fine uh, Michael B. Jordan's really good in it and I was genuinely distracted by how handsome and well put together he is during the film in which he spends most of it not wearing a shirt he is swole I it's believe. ridiculous uh, he looks like he could walk into the UFC tomorrow and win every single belt but between him and Lupita Nyong'o I was like and even Chadwick Boseman I was like this is just beautiful people these people are way too good looking. Right, get a hold of yourself. As I, as I, calm down, as I enjoyed my butter soaked popcorn. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the Odeon. Oh, the Odeon Point Village. The hey. ghost town that is the Odeon Point Village. Uh, it's grand. Yeah, I think people are being a bit over the top better, but you can understand why. Uh, but yeah, it's fine. It's all right. It's a typical Marvel fair. What have you listened to, though? Huh? <laughs> have you watched any movies? <laughs> <laughs> I've actually got to watch um, Thor Ragnarok tonight. Oh, okay. I've got to write about it. you got to write about it? Yeah, I'm not particularly looking forward to it but I hear it's a lot of fun give it a it, go it's, it's good yeah. it's fun yeah you enjoy it. have you seen jokes. have you seen Hunt for the Wilder People yeah I have same director yeah yeah so. yeah Watiti Taika Watiti yeah 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 it's a good movie yeah Hunt for the Wilder People very good yeah no no I hear I hear Thor Ragnarok is a good time alright let's give it a go have you been listening to anything though as mentioned earlier, you won Woods. Uh, you won Woods. What? Literally only came across her this week. So yeah, uh, self-titled EP from, was it last year or two years ago? Yeah. Uh, Dots was a single from a few months ago. It's absolute banger. And uh, yeah, there's a new one due in the coming days. Let's leave it at that. Fantastic. We'll check it all out. Okay. Uh, thanks so much, guys. Thank you, David. And thanks Cheers, to our bro. special guest, Dave Higgins. Woo! Yeah. Woo! Good to be back. Good to have you back, sir. 
Uh, as always, we will close out the show with new Irish music. Uh, now, this is a lady that we caught at the Quarter Block Party, uh, Quarter Block Party Festival in Cork uh, as Tanda Felix violin player, Aina Brennan. She trades under the name of Dowry, and she premiered a new song on Another Nine this week. It's called In E. She says it is representative of the way that I start every Dowry set with an improvised violin piece. And it begins with a drone on the note E, builds from there, dipping into the major and the minor, and growing into a cacophony of sound. Drifts between sound worlds, most notably that of Irish traditional music and minimalist contemporary classical music. And I'm glad that she wrote all that down because it's, it describes it better than I possibly could. But it's great, it's really rich, it's cinematic, and I found it very captivating. It swept me off my feet, and that's why it takes Exit Music Honours this week. My name is David William Hanrady. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. This is Anna Brennan with Innie.
This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. 